Welcome to the Cover Two Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23rd, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover Two Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover Two Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover Two Resources, and I'm joined today by Shane Runyon who is a rising country music artist. Shane is from Portsmouth, Ohio. And up until a couple of years ago, he was better known as the eighth grade, I believe it was science teacher. Is that right, Shane? Close. History. History history teacher. Yeah. So, but a couple of years ago, he decided to pursue his dream, which was a career in country music. And now, here we are. It's, uh, It's happening, isn't it? It is, man, and it's so nice to, to talk to you, Greg. It's uh, an honor to be on your podcast, and I have to admit, man, you have uh, quite the radio voice, man. You, uh, you, you sound good over there. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, that's quite a compliment coming from you because I've had the, yeah. the pleasure of listening to a couple of your recordings, and wow, that's yeah. really great stuff. Really, you, you're off to a wonderful start. Well, so, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it is. As you said, it's, it's going, and... Um, it's quite a dream considering I was, you know, a full-time his, uh, tenured history teacher and, you know, I was living the, the middle-class American dream. And so I, you know, I, I be honest with you, I guess I figured I would have retired, you know, from the very classroom I was teaching in. And, uh, so where I'm at today is, is much different than I had imagined and really exciting. Sure. So let's start back a little bit earlier than that. You come from (laughs) Portsmouth. Portsmouth, of course, is the epicenter of the opiate epidemic, according to Sam Quinones in the book Dreamland. Um, So take us from your childhood, what you experienced, what you saw there, and then let's talk a little bit about your career as a teacher and then move along to your current career. Yeah, well, man, you know, hearing that introduction, it gave me chills. I mean, it literally gave me chills hearing you say that because, you know, you're right. You, you know, you were saying Portsmouth, Ohio, the epicenter, and, and my brain at the moment was saying epicenter of what? You know, we're we're a small little town, you know, barely on the map, and then you said it, and my God, you're unfortunately you're so right. It's uh, it's a town that has really been hit hard by um, the drug problem, and. Um, and yeah, so so my childhood, Greg. Actually, I was born and spent the first half of my life in um, the Charleston area, uh, South Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. And I moved to Portsmouth in middle school, and or well, a little little county, little town, little farming town outside of Portsmouth. But you know, this area is is what I know, and um, uh, it it is, and and you know, I. I don't know um, why the, the, this drug problem has happened, has wrapped around us so much, um, other than I know that, you know, like so many small towns, you know, we used to have a lot of industry and a lot of business, and that slowed and slowed and slowed. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's a good reason, but it seems to be a, a common theme that, 
um, you know, as as a town becomes economically depressed, you know, people uh, end up picking up these things, or or at least it, it opens a door, unfortunately, for um, you know these hard drugs to take take control of families and lives and communities. And uh, but with that said, we are a very vibrant town and really good people. And um, you know, I feel like the culture in Portsmouth is is pretty similar to the culture from where you know all my family and where I'm from in West Virginia it's just you know that small town southern hospitality it's the type of community where people come together uh, they really do and and some of the tragedy that the drug problem has created is still something that people come together over so you can still see you know despite being ravaged in certain ways you know it's a, a real good-hearted people um, real strong people, very kind, and, and the kind of people who come together for each other, which I think is important. And, and the reason I say all that is not only to brag on, you know, the people, but to, I guess, it, it gives everyone hope. You know, there's hope out of current situations so long as people have the right hearts to do it. Absolutely. There is. Uh, you, you know, you couldn't have said that better. There's always hope. Well, Greg, it's funny because the same way as music uh, has just kind of, I was led to it. The same is true of teaching, ironically. Um, it's it's kind of bizarre, really. Um, you know, it was something that I felt like I just kind of stumbled into. And once I got there, I was like, holy cow, I love it, you know. And I really did. I loved teaching. I just, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a blue-collar, working-class family, and um you know, I was always told to work hard, you know, you're going to go to college one day, you know, all the typical things that, that working class folks tell their kids. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so I, I knew I had to go to college for something. And, um, you know, I, I, I at first thought about business and a couple different things anyway. And I, I don't want to, 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 to go too far off the storyline here, but my mom actually became very, very sick. What at the time we thought was terminally ill, and uh, and thank God she is uh, very healthy and still with us. Um, but but when my mom got real ill, I I took a few months off college to to help take care of her. I took a semester off because she needed somebody to help with some medical things at home. And after you know it was time for me to go back to school, I thought, man, life's too short, right? So I go and I do an individualized study, and, and that's a whole story in itself. But, but you know, I'm going, by God, I'm going to study what I want to study. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I was doing this individualized study, and, and you have to have, you know, a certain amount of upper-level classes uh, of, you know, various varieties. And, you know, what I was doing for fun was upper-level history courses. I just loved them, you know, yeah. and I took all kinds of really fun courses and you know I had a couple of great professors that I thought were you know awesome lectures I really enjoyed it and and so man I just latched on to a few of the professors took every history class they had wow and uh, and you know once I realized I needed to really focus myself you know there it was it was right in front of me you know I you know after I kind of came step back out of my hippie mentality you know do what I wish you know, I thought, man, let's focus my energy. Let's really think, you know, what, what am I doing? What do I want to do? You know, and, and really think about the future. And at that point, I was like, well, my goodness, you know, here I am 
you know, with, uh, uh, you know, tons and tons and tons of history courses because I loved to do it. And I guess that's when it occurred to me that teaching history, you know, I love people. I love, I'm a people person. I love talking to people. I love serving people. Um, I think that's an important part of all of our lives. And so it just, again, it was one of those wild things where, you know, what I thought was just lati da, I guess I'll take this and this and this. It, it ended up um, leading me right to the answer, which was teaching history. Wow. And so I, you know, my, my wife, my now wife, my then uh, girlfriend, uh, uh, she was graduating a year earlier than me, um, was supposed to be. So I just hustled up. You know, I had proposed to her. So now we're engaged. And I, I hustled and I was hurrying. I was trying to get, you know, get my life in order to, to get things rolling. And, and so I ended up graduating. You know, we graduated the same year together, you know, and that was awesome. And so now it's like, you know, real world. And at the time, I remember looking online and there was only like three history jobs in the whole state. And uh, my licensure was actually in Kentucky because of, the, the where I went to grad school at. <clears throat> okay. But uh, there where, where'd you go to grad school? Moorhead State. Moorhead. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I taught. Fortunately, I ended up teaching right across the river from Portsmouth. You know, it was like you know eight minutes from my house. But nonetheless, when I was looking, there was only like three history jobs in the whole state of Kentucky. Wow. Huh. And I thought, oh God, great! I'm going to be living in a camper, you know, at the other end of the <laughs> in a world, van you know, down by the river. <laughs> yeah, and visiting on the weekends. Walking through the parking lot to the grocery store. I saw a woman walking up. I smiled and grabbed the door. But she won't look me in the eye. That's on comes no surprise today. Cause I'm damn near covered head to toe. Think I picked up on the road and a couple of that I got done in the pen. I absolutely loved what I was doing. I loved teaching. I loved the school district. Greenup County Schools does really awesome things for their kids. And again, I, I really sincerely thought that would have been something I would have retired from. You know, I'd always played music, but you know, I, I, I guess I, it never occurred to me that I could have made a living out of it. So, uh, you know, I, I thought I would have been teaching for, you know, forever. And, uh, and uh, you know, life had different plans, I guess you would say. Yeah. And so you taught eighth graders? Yeah, yeah. I taught eighth grade history and government. And government. Okay. And yeah. so this was just two years ago that you decided to pursue your dream. Now, you've been playing for, I, I take it for a long time, just for yeah. your own entertainment and your own enjoyment? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I sure have. I, I When I was 18 years old, I uh, took a loan from the bank. I bought a speaker system and, um, and had a buddy of mine from college, and we started playing. And so I, I've actually been playing out, you know, been playing live gigs and you know, usually it was the kind of deal all through college, you know, even through uh, when I started teaching, I still was, you know, playing almost every weekend. I was, I never quit playing. It was passion of mine. It was something I knew I was supposed to do. But again, I just didn't think it was what I would do for a living. And there's a message in your music, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I again, when I was in college and, uh, I look back now, I think, 
it wasn't such good music, but uh, I didn't have a real strong grasp like melody yet. I, I didn't um, didn't really know how to craft a catchy song. I don't think, but when I listened back, the lyrics were uh, very very. It's funny. It was like the you know the, the nineteen twenty year old me was preaching to the to the you know adult me you know to the to the me now. It's funny. I. I still think back to those lyrics because they're all about like, you know, going after what you want. You know, what's in your heart and soul matters. Don't listen to other people telling you what to do. Live your own life. Make your own decisions. Lean into your own curves. You know, and um, and so I definitely early on had a message for sure. And uh, and you know, I think I've learned as a songwriter. I've had you know had some success, some success as a. Uh, a songwriter to a degree and as I've learned to craft better songs it's still important to me um, to to still have those songs that hopefully are catchy but again they still have a message and it may not be every song I mean we all have to have you know roll the windows down you know turn it up loud and just have fun songs but I like to balance that with songs that do speak to how I feel and how I think others around me feel. So we'd like to put a little cut of a song to give some of our listeners to this podcast a sense for this. So we're going to cut that in. What would you recommend is the first song that we cut into this podcast to give uh, you to know, give a taste? Um, maybe the first song I would recommend would be a song called Love You That Much. Um, just because in chronological order it, it came before uh, my current song that's on the radio. Um, and even though it really, I, I never pushed it, I wasn't in a position in my life to, I didn't have the platform, it, you know, I, it's not the song that caught on, but it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Again, it it's catchy, but it comes from my heart. It's one of the only songs I've ever written in which every word is true. It's one I wrote about my wife. You and me We're meant to be Together And I want to let you know You can hold my hand If it's the last thing you can hang on Wear that band If it's the last thing you have on Call me man When the rest of the world thinks I'm wrong And we're gonna make it through It's tough Cause you know I love you that much Now let's, let's kind of move along. So how the heck did you, uh, you grabbed a contract, didn't you? And congratulations, by the way, Shane. That's uh, fantastic. Well, didn't you, didn't you uh, well, I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Sure. Well, uh, what had happened was I was teaching and I, um, had a song that we recorded in Nashville. Um, I was an independent, you know, but we went to Nashville and recorded it. We had a, a guy from our hometown who had moved on to great things as a videographer. I think at the time he was living in New York. We brought him back home to film this video, and we just really, you know, went for broke with this with this song and video. And you know, I, as a songwriter, I was trying to push all the right buttons to get on radio and. You know, wouldn't you know it? It worked, and so you know, here I'm a school teacher with this song that is playing, you know, all over our, our region and tri-state, and really catching on and got a lot of popularity. And 
my social media grew and my presence grew and um, little did I know I was eligible uh, at, to, to be uh, uh, named a CMA emerging artist and I was um, and so that's kind of how it started for me was um, CMA uh, every summer they have CMA fest and they have CMA fanfare and at CMA fanfare that's where you have I believe the number is 80,000 people a day are coming to this uh, CMA fest Wow! and it's where all you know country music fans are coming to hear new music um, meet the artists and and so they named me a CMA emerging artist which meant I got a meet and greet booth for all of that and you know I got that I guess little um, I guess title if you would that little acknowledgement from them and it just kind of catapulted everything from there and you know when we were at CMA Fest and you know I'm signing we did the math I had these headshots you know that I would autograph for folks and we did the math and um, you know there would be some groups of people where we would you know meet and sign a whole group of people but when I broke it down it was like a person a minute for four days straight Wow! that I, that I had signed you know yeah. an autograph for based on you know again based on the headshots that we we gave away and um, the little autograph cards and so we we just met a lot of people and I remember our drive home back to Ohio I was telling my wife I'm like man this can't be normal uh you know as I'm like you know, asking everybody else, you know, like what they do. Well, you know, I'm, what do you mean, man? I'm a singer. Like, what do you do? And, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm a history teacher. And so I told my wife, I was like, I don't think this is normal. You know, I don't think it's normal for a history teacher to be here in this position. And, and I guess at that point, you know, um, there was something resonating very deeply in me. And, and what had happened is, is I became aware of the truth and I became aware of the reality, and the reality for me, and this is not everybody, but I, I deeply felt that the reality for me at that point in my life was that if I didn't go for it right then at that moment, that, that not doing that was me resigning from my dream of, of you know making music for a living, of, of being an artist that shares his music. And I just felt that. I thought, man, if I don't do this, this is a resignation. I'm giving, you know, I'm giving it away. And, and I just, and I, my wife and I talked about it, and we both agreed, and we're like, yeah, you know, no more of this thinking that I personally can live this double life where I have this career that I'm passionate about and I have this music I'm passionate about. I can't, you know, I can't fully commit to both and be outstanding at both. And so, wow! Few on people a have hour drive home. Yeah, I'm few, sorry. Go ahead. Few Greg. few people have that kind of epiphany in life, and and you know, and have all the circumstances kind of come together the way that 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 came together for you, and and recognize it all at once at the same time. That's that's pretty neat. Well, it was, and it was the beginning. It was. I, I promise you. I swear. This is not a folksy, all shucks thing I'm saying. I am not a brave person. I'm not a, as far as like taking risks, I am not a risk taker. I don't roll the dice. I go safe, you know. All I ever heard from my working class dad was, you know, benefits, retirement, be loyal to your employer, steady, 
you know, slow and steady wins the race. And I just, you know, that's, and that's me and I'm not a risk taker. And that was the beginning of that leap of faith for me. And that leap of faith, little did I know, was going to end up becoming the start of a um, kind of a spiritual growth for me as well, um, because I, I had gotten so comfortable, you know, living that middle class dream, just that, you know, that comfort, you know, the paycheck's coming in, mm-hmm. your bills are getting paid, yep. you know, um, you know, you come home, you get in this routine and Again, this is just speaking for me personally, but uh, I have the personality type that I I felt like that made me become stagnant. I was too comfortable, and I think that being stagnant also transferred to my my spirituality, and I think whenever I – and I I hope I'm not offending you or anyone – no, Listen I was just talking about this. No, but, I was just uh, going to ask you a follow-up on that, Shane, to describe that a little more. Your your definition of spirituality and how specifically that moved your spirituality. Well, you know, I what it did, I think, was I think um, I think when you walk out on a thin limb, you know, when you're skating on thin ice, you you become aware of reality and the reality is is that we aren't in control (laughs) that we're very small and fragile and you know and and you know i I don't know for me stepping out on that limb taking that leap of faith because ultimately what i ended up doing was calling my principal and expressing to him that i wanted to quit my job um and you know uh, i I wanted to give him enough time to rehire someone and he said ma'am we believe in you my vice principal said, ma'am, we believe in you do it. The superintendent said, ma'am, we believe in you do it. So I had all this support, but it was scary. And wow. I did it, and I was sick to my stomach as soon as I officially signed that resignation paper. I mean, it was sickening. And because, again, I'm not that person, and I think me putting myself in a place that vulnerable, oh, my gosh, man, you talk about vulnerable. It made me... Me, uh, I ended up looking to God for comfort. I don't know. It just shook me up, man. It it was a reality check for me. It it it, it was always the reality, you know, the 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 fact that we're vulnerable, that you know we we need help to make it. Um, it was always the reality, but but putting myself in that position made me really really aware of it, and that's scary, and it makes you. Again, the reason it's so good for me is, you know, when you're sick and when you're worried and when you're unsure, you know, you cling to your loved ones. So I started clinging to my family, to my wife, to, you know, mine and her parents. You know, I started uh, praying more, like meditative prayer, you know, just my everyday thinking about it, being conscious about it, um, just wanting some comfort. It put me back in that position where I realized that I need other people, including, and, and I guess when, when you say define spirituality, that I guess that's what I mean, is it, it puts you back in that real, sincere awareness that you do need God, in my opinion. Yeah, that's very powerful so, um, and impressive. So let's, let's move on to, um, to your career a little bit more. And, and uh, so right now, where do things stand? Bring us up to date in terms of what's happening in your career and, uh, yep. and, and, and 
Tell us, tell us a little bit about it. And then I'd like to segue over into Drug-Free Clubs of America and how you happen to get associated with them. Absolutely. Well, as it stands right now, I'm really happy to say that uh, last year um, I was again named a CMA Emerging Artist for the second time, and that was a, a huge honor. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. That's thank tremendous. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, and that was great. Um, that was a real honor. Um, I wrote a song and made a video for a song called Tattoos, and that song naturally resonated. It naturally caught on, and uh, I'll make a, I, I, as you can tell, I can make any story really long, so I'll try to make it short, but basically that song, again, found its way to the top, and um, as of now, you know, we're looking at over 600,000 online views of the of the music video that again it was you know everything resonating you know and me not getting in the way i just let things happen and man that that song it found me to write it you know it, that song wrote itself that video made itself i mean it was you know i say i you know like wrote that script for the video and kind of like directed that video so to speak i had a really good friend of mine who's a wizard behind the camera lens. His name's Andrew Dodson. Um, I had him film it. And, you know, we sat down and we talked about this script idea I had. And, you know, I found quote unquote actors, but they weren't actors at all. By pure, honestly, like by pure coincidence, these people who naturally found their way into the project actually are the exact person that their character is portraying in the video. I mean, it, and and man, I, and I'm. This is going to hit home for you as well, Greg. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it, this is getting heavy. But the woman in the video, um, I thought of her. I had met her. I knew she had a heart for the community and helping the homeless community in our area. I met her and just thought, man, she would be great for this role I have in my head. And in my head, I knew I wanted the. Um, I knew that I wanted the, the female character to have lost someone and that played a role in the dynamic of the video. I don't want to give it all away, but whenever I, you know, met her and was kind of explaining this to her, I ended up realizing in real life, she did lose her son. Hmm. And it just, again, it was so real. You know, she did struggle with drug abuse. She is now a real life drug and alcohol counselor. That's what she does. The guy in the video sincerely was in prison more times than he can count for more felonies than you can count on your hands and toes, who got out, flipped his life around, and, and his prison tats, his, his real-life tats are reminders of what's been washed away. And, and we, you know, again, when he and I met, he said, Shane, this is weird. I said, what's that? They call him Tank. I said, what's that, Tank? Huh. He said, it's like you met me. I told you my life story and you went and wrote a song about me and I'd never met him in my life. And here he's playing the character in my video. It was outstanding. The video, it, it served its own self. It made itself. It got 600,000 views. It uh, got picked up by um, almost every country music television station like GAC, Country Network, Heartland. So at this point it's getting broadcasted. Um, 
regularly, you know, weekly to hundreds of millions of viewers. And now it's on radio. It's climbing the radio charts on the country charts. And I'm so proud and happy to be able to celebrate with you on the phone right now to say that as of last week, it was number 77 on the country charts. And that was it. It debuted at the country charts at number 77. So uh, it's it's one weekend at number 77 and um, it's it's climbing. Well, Shane, I am very, very excited for you. That is, that's tremendous. And that story that you tell in there with that video is a very strong story. And, and I love the fact that you selected Tank because, as you say, I mean, visually, you, you look at him your first glance and he's a pretty, pretty intimidating character there. Yeah, it'll but, scare you, man, yeah. But then you did the camera work in such a way that you get in and you get a sense for him and you you get suddenly this uh, compassionate individual that is pretty warm, and somehow you through the cameras you get to know him through the course of that video. So it was very very strong, and and uh, yeah, anybody listening, I, I strongly recommend that you uh, you go on YouTube and look that up. And so well, thank would, you for that. And I and I'll say this, uh, Tank is, I mean, it, it's like he radiates goodness and. He has done, I mean, I tell you, at one time of his life, he'll tell you, man, he was hell on wheels, and uh, and that's no joke. And But at the same time, the same exact person is also the sweetest, kindest man you'll ever meet. It's like, how can those coexist? But they can because of, again, change, and there's hope for change, and he's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet, and um, and that's really who he is. He's one of the few people. I'm not one of these guys who says I love you to just you know everybody. And a lot of people throw that around a lot. And he's one of the handfuls of people who, when he says it to you, I believe him. He means it. And and in fact, the only acting in that whole entire video, man, I, and I really mean this, the only acting because the rest of it was so authentic was Renee, is the name of the woman who plays the, the primary female character. Uh-huh, the recovery coach. And Yep, yep, and she is the only acting that was done in that, because the rest was so natural, was uh, in the beginning of the video, she, I, I told her, I said, Renee, when, you, when he opens the door for you, because the opening scene is, you know, he is opening the door for her at a grocery store and she looks at him and she has to give him an up and down and she has to snub him. And I'm explaining this to her. I'm saying, Renee, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to, you have to give him this look like this disgust and just snub him. And that's how we have to set this up. I didn't think anything more of it. And later in the day, uh, something was off with Renee again, because everything uh, before, (laughs) during and after was, so natural. Yeah. Was, felt so good. And, I and she did it. Something was bothering her. She did a perfect yeah. job. If I could jump in, she did a perfect job of setting that up, too, just as instructed. Oh, I mean, she that. Did. Yeah. Yeah. She did. And I and when I finally asked her what's wrong, I can tell something's bothering you. She said, I just feel so bad. Uh, she said, I just I feel so like just icky for looking him at that for looking at him that way. Hmm. And I said, God, Renee, you, it was just, it was just acting. She said, you know, yeah, I know, but I just can't stand that. I looked at him that way and it's bothered me all day. And I thought, oh my God, you know, what sweet, good people. And again, that is the only single scene where there was quote unquote acting. I mean, everything else was, 
you know, guys just be the real you. And, and there it was. And, uh, and that video is, as a, I, I'm a, I, I really believe I'm a humble person, but I can say, because I think that song and video was a gift, um, that, that, that I'm not responsible for that. That video is a blessing, I think, and it has the power to move people. So I hope all your listeners will, you know, go on YouTube or whatever and check it out. Cause, uh, it, it's really something that, again, I, 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 uh, say, you know, I, I did, but man, I didn't do it. It just, it, that video made itself. It was unbelievable. Awesome. So how do they look that up on YouTube then, Shane? What would they type in? Uh, tattoos. So the name of the song is called Tattoos, and my name is Shane Runyon, and Runyon is spelled R-U-N-I-O-N. It's kind of like Union with an R in front. Excellent. Okay, now I want to talk just a little bit about Drug-Free Clubs of America. You and I, before we came on the air, I mentioned to you that I had the distinct pleasure of of actually witnessing a a Drug-Free Clubs of America event down in Ross County um, back in November of 2017, and there was 2,000 kids there that were involved in that. It was absolutely amazing. And, and they marched from the gymnasium down to the courthouse steps. And, and I, I was just blown away because one after another, they got up and they spoke about how much it meant to them to make a difference and be a leader in their community and for their classmates and for their mm-hmm. peers, being a leader, joining the club voluntarily and um, pronouncing that they're going to be drug-free and becoming a card-carrying member of that club. It was really neat, yeah. really powerful, and I, I tell you what, Angie just does some incredible work. But how did you happen to get associated with Drug-Free Clubs of America? Well, I'll be honest with you. It was this this guy named Chris Scott, um, and that whole crew is awesome. So real quick yeah. shout-out to Angie, who's the executive director of the Drug-Free Clubs. Yeah. Um, Chris Scott and Dave Huggins yep. um, are, are the people that I personally met, and I'm sure there's people like yourself. I mean, there's I've met them as hundreds well. of others yep. that, that are really involved, but those are the, the three people who I personally was involved with. And a guy named Chris Scott calls. You know, this guy um, is a businessman who just, man, for whatever reason, feels so passionately about this program, and his philosophy is that uh, that's how he's going to change the community is through the youth. And so he calls me, he's real passionate. I just, you know, hit it off with him. I like him as a person. Yeah. And he's like, man, you know, I heard your, this song of yours called I'm proud of where I'm from. Um, and he's like, and I thought, Oh man, this is perfect. You know, this guy, we got to get hold of him. And he said, and then I heard your song tattoos and he's like, Oh my gosh, man, this is meant to be, we got to have this guy. So he calls me and he's, you know, asking me about performing at it. It happened to work out in my schedule um, at a time when I didn't think it would, but it, boom, it just worked out. And I thought, yeah, you know, yeah, sure, I'll come do it, you know. And uh, and if I'm being honest, you know, behind the scenes, I was like, ah, here's another thing, you know, just just what I need is to, you know, play uh, play music for a bunch of sober high school kids who, you know, I mean, it's going to be like pulling teeth. They're not going to be interested. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a, a labor of love, but I'll do it for the community, you know. And that's honestly how I felt about it. And, 
and I show up to it and um, and again thinking this is going to be you know just me giving to the community labor of love we'll, we'll, you know me and the bandmates will get through it mm-hmm. I show up and I'm watching the rally which is what you're describing you know all the students gather they give speeches they they tell stories and they motivate each other it's a rally yep and so I'm, I'm watching this rally and I'm like you know feeling moved by it you know and and i'm watching out in the crowd and and i'm noticing kids who you know i almost couldn't believe it you know i thought oh my are are these kids in the crowd is this like the popular dude mocking these these kids giving the speeches and then i'm watching i'm watching i'm watching you know because he's so into it you know all these kids are just so into it and i thought is this them being like, are they mocking each other? Like what? Is, and so I focused on this one kid and he looked like, you know, he's probably like jock of the school, you know, probably the, the you know, my mind, if I had to, to, to bet money, he's probably the quarterback, you know? Uh, and I'm like watching him and I'm like, this jerk is mocking, you know, the kids giving the speech and I'm focused on him. And, and then like after five, 10 minutes of me kind of scanning the crowd and watching this kid and, and watching the people giving the speeches, it occurred to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like this is sincere. And you know, the whole time, you know, that kid that I'm talking about who I was skeptical of, it, it became clearly obvious to me, like, oh my gosh, like he's serious. He's actually supporting these people giving the speech he's actually trying to encourage them this isn't a joke at all they really feel this and believe it and when i saw it it wasn't just this small little group of kids who you know the old you know i don't know in my mind a lot of times the people who are really passionate about this are the people who don't need it you know what i mean yeah like a lot I hear of you. times it's yep. kids who are never going to touch a drug anyway yep. Yep. who are a part of this mm-hmm. and i'm looking out and i'm seeing every type of kid I mean, I'm seeing every type of kid you could imagine that's a part of this rally that are in it. I mean, they're really in it. And, um, and you know, and I'm seeing people smiling. I'm seeing people motivating each other. I'm feeling intensity. I'm seeing kids holding each other, crying, and others consoling each other because what they're saying it was hitting home. And uh, it, just, it just moved me so much uh, seeing that. And then, you know, I played my music for them. You know, they were just off the hook. We played a, a you know a whole concert for them there, and it was just a good time. You know, and I thought, oh my gosh, and you know that was my ongoing joke. I was like, who'd have known that the most special show of the year was for a couple thousand sober high school kids? Who'd have, who'd have thought we could have this much fun? Yeah, and it just it was uh, it was a blast. But again, the real takeaway was just seeing just seeing the real side of young people, you know, like not kids that are acting like brats that are, you know, more interested in their phone than anything else. Like seeing them be real people who believe in something, who are motivated to, to, to do something about it, who are being there for each other, consoling each other and uh, showing their heart for their community and for each other. It just was, it was powerful. And, and it was, Honestly, the whole drug-free thing, you know, was never something that, I mean, I didn't feel strongly against it, but it, it never occurred to me, you know, to attach myself to something like that. But the movement was just so strong. I saw that it was the real thing, and 
and so you know from then on I just you know man I just thought wow this is it's an honor to be a part of this you know it's to, for me, if I can, I guess my thought was if I can create some hype, if I can create the energy, um, and, and if I can help these kids have fun and, and help the energy to, because, you know, music is the soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. So I I, if I can, yeah. if I can, you know, create some energy here that translates to a positive rally, to a positive experience, to uh, if it creates an experience that, that helps helps these kids change the world around them the way they hope to change it. I thought, man, let's do it. Like, yeah. heck yeah, I'll play your show for you. If you want me to play music, I would be happy to. And I guess that was kind of my attitude toward it after that rally. You know, I just thought, man, if these kids are wanting to do something about it, I'm not going to tell them no. You know, I'm not. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm. I'm happy to to be a part of their passion because they really are passionate. So now that has built into an entire tour. You're going to be yeah. stopping in a number of Drug-Free Clubs of America communities where they have chapters. Yeah. How many chapters are you going to be uh, uh, singing at? Well, we are currently finalizing the last um, few schools on the, on the stop, but um, the, the tentative schedule that we are trying to finalize has 26 stops. Um, which is, I believe, um, supposed to be 38 counties and uh, 38 school districts, rather, because some schools are hosting their neighbors. You know, uh, there will be neighboring schools that will bus in to a central high school that we'll be playing at. So 26 schools, 38 districts, and um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be crazy. I, it, it I can't believe that it's happening, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I thought, man, I've got this song that I think's going, and at the time it was like December when we were talking about doing it, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, I really think this song Tattoos could do something, and if it does something, then I'll have a platform, I'll have momentum, yeah. and we can use that momentum for something, you yep. know, Yep. and fast forward to today, and, you know, by God, it's it's on the radio, and it's climbing the charts steadily, and and thank God for that. And um, and here we are about to use, you know, what little bit of momentum, what little bit of a platform I have. You know, we want to try to use that to help these kids, um, help these kids further their calls. Well, this is really just very, very exciting. And, and we're really looking forward to having you here in, in town for a day and a half uh, with yeah. us in Northeast Ohio. Um, you'll be stopping in Cuyahoga Falls, uh, giving yeah. a, a concert there, in uh, Barberton, another concert there. And we're still talking with Hudson to try and work things out. We've got some scheduling conflicts, but uh, I'm hopeful that we can uh, we can st- see our way clear there and uh, get that uh, established as well. This is uh, yeah, I am too. Yep. I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing as many of uh, of the the kids in this program that I can see. Well, Shane, I want to thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us today, more than a few minutes. You know, I feel kind of guilty. I, I told you, you we'd should. talk for no more than 15 minutes, and uh, we're we're closing in on uh, 50 minutes. But uh, it, it's certainly been, uh, been, been great uh, getting to know you just a little bit, and I look forward to meeting you face-to-face here in just a couple of weeks. Um, would, same, uh, same. Would you like to, before we sign off here, um, any final thoughts for some of our listeners? 
about you and your message? Hmm. Well, to be honest with you, Greg, I, you know, I don't know that I have a message. Uh, I, I don't think I necessarily having have an overarching message other than just I try to sing about real life, which includes some things that are deep, some things that are hopeful, some things that are uh, sad. You know, I try to sing about everything, but, but um, man, that's a tough question. I, I don't know I'm prepared for that, but... Uh, well, the message that comes through loud and clear to me is uh, follow your dreams, set a goal, have a plan, go after it, and good things can happen, particularly with... Uh, you know, getting in touch with your spiritual side. You just never know where that'll well, take you. Well, I'll tell you, you this. I, I guess I could maybe say this, and this isn't advice from me. This isn't my message necessarily. But, uh, you know, I'm just a person, and uh, I am by no means um, worthy to, to you know, be any kind of, like, ambassador for what, what these kids and what this program is doing. I'm, I'm just a dude that's honored to be helping them. So I don't necessarily, you know, have a, a message that's any more powerful than, than what the kids can give people. But I can tell you this, which is something that is unique to where I'm at right now, which is having a song on the radio and a song on TV and, um, you know, gaining some, some popularity and kind of my life changing, you know, right before my eyes. Um, I've kind of had another one of those life epiphanies. And that epiphany that I've recently had is, is that, you know, something that I've always hoped for will happen. You know, for example, you know, they're playing my video on GAC or, you know, now it's on radio. Thank God and all these people want to play it. And at the same time, I'm so grateful for it. But also at the same time, I've noticed that while I'm very excited, it doesn't fill that thing up in me that I, thought would be filled you know we always think when I set this goal when I accomplish this and when I get here and when I when I accomplish that we, we think that somehow that that's going to fill us up and that's going to you know um, fill this void that's in us and and it's been really a blessing to me to have some of these successes only to find out that they really don't fill up that thing deep in you and so it's been really good for me to be able to see that early on and be able to experience that and kind of try to wrap my head around it. And I guess the way I have made sense of it is that, you know, it's not about necessarily where you're going. It's about what you're doing today. You know, it, you have to love the process, which, you know, I guess for most of us, the process is just our day-to-day -day life. You know, we, we can't live for what we might have you know, down the road, we have to live in the moment. In other words, we have to be happy with what we're doing in the moment. And I think, in my opinion, um, you know, my, one of my epiphanies has been that, you know, my true happiness comes out of, you know, clinging to my family and friends, uh, you know, focusing on um, my spirituality. And this is, you know, I'm not evading anything. When I say spirituality, I mean relationship with God, but um, you know, in, in a blanket term, focusing on my spirituality. And then my other thing is just like serving people in some way. You know, I, I just want to interact with people, whether it's a talk, a conversation, 
something little. I, you know, I, I know that it, it makes me feel better, you know, helping a friend that needed help. You know, I feel better than that, than I, you know, than, than, you know, some big accomplishment. And don't get me wrong, I am so thankful, so blessed for um, what this song Tattoos is doing for me. But my hope is not to relish in a number on the music chart. My hope is to be able to use that platform to continue to to be able to make people happier than they were yesterday. And uh, so I think that's that's the only thing I would encourage everybody is to live in today, be happy with it, focus on your relationships, uh, both with people around you and your spirituality, and and uh, take the time to serve the people around you because man it it does as much for you as it does for them well shane runyon thank you so much i've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit today so thank you for your time thank you man i've I've enjoyed talking to you okay we've been joined today by shane runyon who is a rising country music artist from portsmouth ohio who is making a difference out there my name is greg mcneil I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. I want to build up this town, pass it down to our daughters and sons. Because I'm proud of where I'm from. You can hear people mumble about it. Things ain't what they used to be But the good times have only begun And I'm proud of where I'm from And I smile when I wave to the neighbors We all know each other by name When I think of what we've become I'm proud of where I'm from We got roots running deep through this town Never leave far from home And I can never replace all the memories made This I know, this much I know And I won't stand to let that all crumble For generations before and to come I want to build up this town, pass it down to our daughters and sons Cause I'm proud of where I'm from Play music loud by the river Just the stars and the lights from the bridge It's our own kind of sound Cause we beat to our own kind of drum And I'm proud of where I'm from We got roots running deep through this town Our hearts never leave far from home I could never replace all the memories made This I know, this much I know And I won't stand to let that all crumble For generations before and to come I want to build up this town, pass it down to our daughters and sons Cause I'm proud of This town great.
episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.